Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Halloween. It's October 31st. It's 1 p.m. Central Time. And in just a few moments, Colleen Cavanaugh, who cared for her parents, will join us. And we're going to talk to we're going to talk about protecting our elderly parents from opportunists because it seems like there are opportunists all around. Just a couple quick updates for you. We've got some contests going on around our National Caregiving Conference, including a call for innovators. If you have an idea or a piece of equipment or technology that can solve one of three pressing problems that family caregivers face, we'd love for you to enter it into our first annual National Caregiving Product and Technology Pitch Event. (laughs) I could have come up with a shorter name, but I guess I didn't think of it at that time. So you can find out more information on caregiving.com about how to enter that contest. And if by chance you have someone else in your family who cares for their family members or you have an additional good friend who cares for her family members, we've got a contest called Families of Family Caregivers Give a Break. And we're encouraging any family members or friends of a family caregiver to put together a break so that that family caregiver can attend our National Caregiving Conference. We've got basically it all mapped out for you. We show you how to plan the break, who you can call for help, with the break and when you enter our contest we'll throw in dinner for your family caregiver they'll win dinner on us on Saturday evening and then finally the last contest which we will announce on Thursday is dinner with Patty Austin so Patty Austin is a Grammy award winning singer she's going to come to our conference and serenade us at the closing session with two special songs And then, if you're a winner, you can join her for dinner on Saturday evening, Saturday evening, December 3rd. So I'll post details about how you can win on Thursday on caregiving.com. And not only can you win dinner with Patty Austin, but you'll receive a $250 Visa gift card from right at home so that you can pay for respite care so you can attend the conference and dinner with Patty. So there's going to be two winners. Each wins a seat at the table with Patty for dinner on Saturday evening and a $250 Visa gift card from Right at Home. And we're so grateful to Right at Home. They were so great to work with to make this contest happen. Okay, those are the updates for you. Just a reminder... It's all on caregiving.com. Okay, so joining me today is Colleen Cavanaugh. She's a certified caregiving consultant and brings her decade of family caregiver experience and training to empower and uplift family caregivers step by step. So welcome, Colleen. Thanks for being with us. Hi, Denise. It's great to be back. So today we're going to talk about those unsweet little old ladies. And those are the opportunists that might be preying on perhaps our widowed dad, our widowed mother, and they may see a pocketbook 
that they can reach into and grab. So tell us about your inspiration for today's show. You you had given me this topic, which I thought was great. So tell me why you thought of this topic for today. Well, being that it's Halloween, Denise, looking back at my caregiving experience, the story has demons of the past reappearing. It has ghosts of the dead channeling through friends with important warnings. It has sights that can't be unseen and sounds you wish you never heard. The only thing more frightening than this year's election is your elderly parent being taken advantage of. And we were coming off of three years of cancer with my mom. And when she passed away, my dad was not yet diagnosed with his Alzheimer or Parkinson's. And we weren't really even suspicious of anything. We were entering a whole new world. There's a big change. As anybody who experiences the loss of a parent, you're in a whole new world. And our only goal was to make him happy. And somewhat early on in this process of living in this new world, he turned to me and said the phrase, I have a girlfriend. And that was the beginning of a wild ride. Wow. So who was the girlfriend? Well, I had no idea. And it was the classic, I have a girlfriend, but she lives in Canada type of thing where she lived many states away. So this became even more perplexing to me. And it was someone who conjured up from his past and must have heard through a friend of a friend that Mrs. Kavanaugh had died and now's your chance. And she wasted no time, wasted no time, in fact, and even sent a condolence card days after my mom's passing. So right from the beginning, this was somebody who had a plan, not unlike the people who read the obituaries and realize, oh, mm-hmm. you know, these are the elderly people who now we can call and offer free cruises to or you know, the, whatever the scams that they have going at the time because they realize there's somebody vulnerable and in mourning. So he, he connected with her virtually. Was it over the phone or did they exchange email messages? Well, it, well, she lobbed the first ball his direction with this condolence card and you know included her mm-hmm. phone number. And so I imagine they got in touch on the telephone and started uh, a little repartee. So how did your dad feel about her? I guess wonderful. Um, You know, he was so confused. You know, just just the normal feelings a spouse of 45 years would have, losing their their spouse, their partner, their life partner, coupled with an underlying diagnosis of Alzheimer's that's been, you know, not uncovered yet. Um, He... I don't know exactly how he felt, but he felt pretty good enough to move past the morning and into, hey, wow, somebody else is taking my mind off of things. A nice diversion for anybody, I guess. So what was the impact? What did she get? Um, the short answer. Get... Oh, go ahead. The short, the short answer is thousands of dollars. Okay. And that is, I think, you know, in reality, that's the least of what somebody can take from somebody that you love. 
But when that person then goes on, if they have an MO of taking financial means away from somebody, they're not really concerned about that person's heart. And so there's a loss of dignity that also goes along with that and heartache. And that's where the real pain comes in when somebody comes in and tries to take advantage of a loved one. So how did she get the money? Um, she would send, one of the techniques was to send raffle tickets for cruises and, you know, long golf weekends and include a self-addressed stamped envelope with a note inside. I hope you win. Send me the check for $500 or whatever it was. Or, oh gosh, my dog got sick. I need I have to have a surgery. I'm short of cash. Is there any way you can help me? He would write a check and, and help out because that was something he was able to do long distance. So little by little, there it goes. And how did you figure out what was going on? Um, you know, retrospect, you realize, oh, my gosh, you put all the pieces together. You start to have these little feelings, and you don't ever want to assume the bad in somebody. And like I said, we were in this whole new place and we didn't know which end was up. But when we were cleaning out the house, my brother stayed overnight for a while to help out. And he called me. He goes, you know, dad's phone rings at all hours of the night. And I said, oh gosh, like, is this like a, are they prank calls, telemarketers? And he said, no, I hear him having conversations. And I said, well, you're going to have to you know, pretend you're the parent and get up to that door or get on the other line of the phone and try to figure out what's happening here because it was something that was, you know, continual. And lo and behold, you know, one in the morning, three in the morning, she would begin calling him. And, oh, this is strange. And then we got to meet her. And sometimes when people are – when you're meeting someone's family – you generally are interested in the family and you talk to people. And when she sat at dinner and did not talk to any of my dad's grandkids, that was a big, that was my first warning sign that there was something very off about this. Why wouldn't a little old lady want to talk to adorable little children? And then, you know, there were phone calls to me discussing, you know, your dad and I are talking about marriage, um, there was a discovery of a secret bank account that had money only being funneled out to her, things like that. <laughs> so when you figured out that she was a swindler, mm-hmm. how did you end the relationship and then how did you manage your dad's heartache over it? Well, we how we handled this was I mean, it took attempt after attempt to try to divert her. Um, you know, there were the frank discussions of, you know, dad is now moving into an assisted living home because he needs to have as full a life as possible, but he needs some care that he needs to start, you know, he needs more attention and this is what's happening. And she didn't understand this at all. Well, he's fine. And I said, well, you know, you're aware of this diagnosis that he has, no, I, I, I don't know anything about that, but I'm sure we could be just fine. You know, he can come and live with me. And I was like, wow, this is really strange that she's just not hearing what's going on. And we 
changed his phone number a couple of times because she would still call him in the middle of the night, and he was now in the he was now diagnosed. He was in the early to mid stages of Alzheimer's, and mm. this was really throwing him for a big loop. Simultaneously, because when it rains, it pours. Um, I guess these senior citizens are, you know, I'm not, not the, I don't know if the, if the right expression is hot to trot, but he moves into this place and being a guy. Uh, statistically, there are fewer men than women in these places, and somebody scooped him right up and became his new best buddy, and they went out dancing and had dinners together, and it was just delightful. So he was being diverted, and he was in such a new environment that it was harder for him to remember, oh, I've got somebody who calls me at 3 a.m. and wants me to write checks. Wow. Oh, man. So you just kind of feel like putting your dad inside a glass container under lock and key, and you're the only one that has the key. Wow. Must have felt like such a violation, twofold, a violation that you felt on behalf of your dad and then a violation that you felt just as a human being watching it happen. Yes, and, the, you know, and the, the balance that you have to do of, you know, trying not to overstep your boundaries as a child and interfere with your parents' life but realizing, you know, it was one of the first moments we had to realize as a family, my brothers and I, that the roles are reversing now and we have to look out for our dad's best welfare, just like he did ours all of these years. And, you know, there were times where certain guys weren't up to snuff for my dad. And now here I was saying, you know what, here's somebody who I don't really find fitting for my dad. Yeah. That works out. Yeah. So ultimately, how did you ensure that the Canadian didn't have access any longer to your dad or or to his money? Well, we like I said, we changed the phone number three times, and somehow she was able to get his unlisted number. We we don't know what magic trick she used to figure this out, and we then went before this, before he you know he moved, made a move, and we got suspicious that there's here's, here comes somebody new into the picture and we don't know what this person's intentions are. We had all his estate documents drawn up with the attorney knowing what was happening and what we were concerned about so that he was able to pay special attention to putting certain things in place that would prevent someone else from coming in, you know, in a back door to say, oh, guess what? We're married now, and now mm-hmm. all of the assets belong to me. So we stored up everything that way. And if you have any – even if your parents don't have these things, you know, the wills and the estate plans in place prior to one of the spouses dying, do it immediately after because you don't know what is going to be in their future. Your parent had a life before you were born, while you were – alive and a child and you don't know all the details of that and there could be people in the past who decide that they want to come circle back and cause some damage for whatever reasons. So what was the impact on your dad when the relationship finally ended? Uh, Like I said, he's already had a new lady friend who was Mm -hmm. dancing the days away with him and she kind of slowly, because she was such a new addition to his life, that she was one of the first things to be forgotten. So that was an absolute blessing that he was, and it's, Alzheimer's is not a blessing in any, by any means. I don't want to infer that 
at all, but it was a blessing in that he was able to forget more quickly and not be completely devastated. So now for a parent who is cognitively aware, that's a whole, you know, that's a whole nother ball game. And, you know, you have to really sit and have some serious conversations to get their eyes to open to see what's happening. So what are the documents that you need, that we need, do you think, in order to make sure that we are protecting our aging relatives when they become more vulnerable? Um, you know, if it's for on just on the medical side, you're going to want to have your durable power of attorney and healthcare proxy, and then you're, you'll want your advanced directives so that you can act on their behalf, uh, especially if their spouse is deceased, and then create an estate plan, especially if there's a home that's owned and you possibly would want to create a trust so that you would be able to protect those assets from anyone else. I apologize. I just dropped my computer. Sorry about that. So I was, I was thinking about all the conniving people that are out there that do know how to work around, for instance, paperwork that's already in order by having your elderly parent use a new attorney who is not necessarily ethical, and then there's new paperwork drawn up. So I think we do the best we can, and then yes. we just keep really an open mind about the relationships that they are involved in. So when you look back, what would you say were the red flags about the Canadian and her relationship uh, with your dad? Uh, you know, beyond being uninterested in anyone other than herself, uh, laughing at the memory fails of my dad when they would be out driving around his neighborhood when she would come to visit, um, you know, asking for a larger washing machine for when she would come to visit and leaving uh, wardrobes worth of belongings at the house, uh, you know, him acting differently and becoming a different person. Uh, those, you know, those were some signs. And her asking me, you know, I've been asking your dad for some jewelry so I could have a little something to remember him by. And I thought, my goodness, who, who asks yeah. his daughter this? Yeah. So in a way, they were so obvious and overt, like what on earth? But you, you know, they they come metered and they're you know, staggered incidents and you don't really you want to hope for the best and then not until you realize oh my gosh you know what hello <laughs> then it all comes together yeah it's really just so oh it's so and one of the uh, yeah one of the, scary, oh. the creepiest parts denise was i uh, became friends with one of my mom's good friends and we were out to a lunch and this was after she died and out of sort of nowhere she said and um, you know, your your mom told me that, you know, watch out. When I, after I'm gone, somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and try to take him for anything that he's got. And I thought to myself, this is such a strange, why is she telling me this? What, what on earth does this have to do with anything? And in retrospect, and here's kind of the Halloween spirit part of this, and if I can talk about this today, I'm convinced that that was the spirit of my mom, Denise, channeling through her friend and giving me a message of warning. 
And at the time, it didn't make sense. But then in retrospect, this was one of the things that set the avalanche off. And I said, oh, my gosh, here we are. This is the person from the past. Yeah, I believe that those things happen, definitely. So how did you cope with it all? You know, it's just such a devastating situation, and you feel so badly for your dad. How did you cope with it? Uh, A lot of 911 text messages back and forth between my brothers of you won't even believe what just happened today. Um, That is, You can get a great source of support through your siblings and stuff like this because it's just so unbelievable. It's like almost like living in a movie. Um, And then down the road, many years later, um, I became a certified caregiving consultant because the more of the other consultants that I get to know through, you know, communications and working together, there's this common theme I think we all share that why we got into this work and it's because we don't want others to have to go through what we did. And I hesitated sharing this story because in some ways it's very personal because it does, it shows a vulnerability of someone who has a, you know, a, a diagnosis that affects his mental abilities. And it also involves another person who shall remain nameless um, from Canada and nobody else should have to, you know, this is a real story. It was happened to a very sweet person. It was, nobody was thinking this would ever happen. And if somebody else can just keep their set, their eyes open in their own life, then so much the better. So here's the, here's the story. (laughs) And, the part about it that's even sadder is that it's not an unusual story. No. And there's this fascinating fact from the National Council on Aging that over 90% of all reported elder abuse is committed by the other person's own family members. And while this woman wasn't a family member, she was, you know, someone in the past who had known him. It wasn't a stranger. And that, I think, is a fascinating statistic. Yes, it is adult children who might be battling an addiction and need money, mm-hmm. so they do what they can to get money. It could be just the ne'er-do-well adult child who depends too much on the aging parent. Yeah, and that's why it's so important that these legal documents are completed early so that there is someone appropriate that can step in and ensure that decisions that are made are the right ones and that they're not yes. being manipulated. Oh boy. And then, yeah. and then backing those up with, you know, their medical diagnosis that continues after those documents get signed so that should they go and have their hand forced to sign another document that contradicts their original document, you know, there's the potential to be able to fight in court and say, um, hey, this person was not of a sound mind to be able to do this. The other thing that you can do is you can freeze your carry's credit so that additional credit cards, for instance, can't be opened in their name, like a home equity loan can't be opened up in their name. So the credit is frozen. You can unfreeze it if necessary, but it's a certain point in our life we don't necessarily need access to credit, so why not just freeze it? And that's another way to protect your carry from someone who is, you know, 
ice cold in their soul <laughs> and yep. trying to warm up with your, your aging parents' yep. wallet. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an excellent, excellent idea. So as you think back on it and you think about who your dad was, and thinking about how that situation changed the relationship in some regard with your dad because you became his protector. What do you think that you learned about human nature? So there's the bad side about it, right? There's the part about the Canadian taking advantage. So what would be the flip side about it, about human nature? Um, you know, it happens, and it you can't you have to move past it, and you have to let it go to an extent it becomes a funny story years down the road um and it also is affirming in a lot of ways of of my relationship with my brothers because the three of us were able to sort of we have this common cause now we had somebody who was like an intruder on the family circle and we needed to do what we could to protect somebody who was for all intents and purposes, Denise, unable to protect himself and not thinking clearly, not just because of the disease, but because of the grief of, you know, this recent loss of his life partner. So um, it was, um, it can pull you together if you have, you know, if you have the support around you and it's a shame, but, you know, you look at things a little bit different. You're a little bit more skeptical. You might be a little bit more jaded. Yeah, I think it also reminds us that we want love, no matter how old we are. Your dad sounds like he was just a very giving individual, that he really had a a lovely and loving heart. And I think it's important for us to remember that that remains, regardless of how old we are or what disease we have. That was one of the biggest things I noticed of being in this new geriatric community that you know he we existed in for for so long, and it was no matter where you are in your life, you do you want love. Everybody wants that, and it's it's amazing to watch that you would think at a certain point you'd kind of like be exhausted from it and you just want to go sit in your your lazy boy, but you're totally right about that, and it's a beautiful and it's thing. Yes. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. And it just reminds us that there are opportunities for us to ensure that the love remains, that the love that they want remains. Perhaps it's not in the same way as it was with your mom, for instance, but it's ensuring that your dad feels love, is surrounded by love, how important that is. You know, we know it, right? I mean, I'm not I'm not sharing anything that is going to make a big poster or it's not a title of a book, but it is just a good reminder that gosh, you know what? We all we all have this natural desire and it it never leaves us. It never leaves mm-hmm. us. Yep. And, you know, the experience of all of this, too, it makes you more prepared for the next time something happens. So, like I said, he yeah. walked in to somebody we knew, and I was able to talk to this new woman's daughter and say, just so that we're on the same page here. She goes, oh, yeah, no, this is, we've got it. Don't worry. Um, you know, we're, even if they tell us they're going to go off and get married, we have this under control. It's okay. <laughs> 
Um, so it was, that was a good thing. See, we were, weren't operating in fear out of this other person who our parent was now involved with. Yeah. Oh, boy. There's actually a whole new topic we could talk about, but I'll just mention that I have a webinar that anyone who's interested can watch, which is called, Do We Need a POA for Love? And it talks about love at end of life and how we still fall in love when we have dementia and the impact of what happens when we fall in love. We want to have sex. Is it consensual sex? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's just oh, there's just a whole bunch around this topic. And I, could, I think it's so important to talk about, especially because if we don't talk about it, it's harder to cope with. And if we talk about it, then we can figure out, okay, what do we do about this? And as you say, if it happens again, we're just that much more prepared and well-informed to be able to cope with it and manage it. Absolutely. Okay, Colleen, we did it. That was 30 minutes. That went by fast. Oh, they go by so fast. These yes. So for our listeners who'd like to be in touch with you, what's your website address? TheLongestDance.com. Okay, nice and easy, thelongestdance.com. And Colleen's going to join us one more month. We're going to get together in November. And tell us what we're going to talk about then, Colleen. Just in time for after everybody's Thanksgiving visits with family and getting ready mm. for the next holiday, it's going to be Love Will Keep Us Together. And it's going to be about how to bring your family closer after the death of your parents. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Colleen. Happy Halloween. You too. Bye. And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.